Hey, good morning, good morning. How we doing today? How many people are like, I didn't need that extra hour of sleep? Can't stop, won't stop. I'm good. How many didn't even know? Because your phone's set on auto-update. You're like, why am I so tired? I can tell you why. You know, they have passed a law to stop daylight savings. We need to pray that President Joe Biden signs that law into action. Because this is the most stressful Sunday of my life. It is. I'm honest. I'll be honest. Like, I already have attention on, you know, I know most of you think I only work one day a week, but I promise you I get at least two or three days in. Uh, but like this, before the auto update uh, on your phone, like, I would be so stressed out. Because, you know, I can't be late. I can't be late. Uh, not that I am the church, but I do preach at the church a lot. So, and I'd be so stressed out. So I'm grateful for the auto update, but I'm glad you turned up today too, by the way. Showing up today, listen, weather's kind of, uh, spring break, missing an hour of sleep. Y'all the real deal. Proud of yourselves for a moment. Yeah, you don't get to clap for yourself very often. You're like the Navy SEALs of the kingdom of God. You are, you go in first. Awesome. Can we take the worship team as you guys grab your seats? Can we welcome the men of Lansing Correctional Facility? We love you, believe in you. And uh, anybody online watching as well, we're honored to have you on the journey of the message today. I've been getting to go to Lansing about once a month and preach in person, which has been really fun. And uh, they are awesome guys, and our team is doing an awesome job. By the way, I'd say this to any Kingsmen in our church, if you ever wanna go to Lansing, it will, it will change, Josh knows what I'm talking about, it will change your life. And uh, it is beautiful. We're so honored to be. Uh, we have a church right now meeting in a, in a prison in our city. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. We love you guys. You guys are special. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump in uh, to the message today. We talked about a kingdom city. We are, we are building people who bring heaven to earth. Uh, if you're new to our church, you, you came on a special Sunday. We're going to talk about how we, we build collectively through our, our sacrifice, through our serve, through our invitation to the world around us, and through our generosity. This is a, this is a big boy, big girl message for every one of us to realize, hey, is there something in my life that I've not allowed God all access granted to? And as we dig into that, I believe God's going to, through the story that we're going to read, a Jesus story, I think it's gonna really inspire you. I think it's gonna challenge you at your core to just live more open-handed before God so that you can have a life that outlives you. As we're building people, we build people by the word of God. These are not just inspirational stories. This is transformational to your life because it makes you more like Jesus. And I'm grateful for a church built on the word of God that stays in tune with the spirit of God. And that's who we are as a church. We've been in this thing called Bible Year. If you're new, I haven't been in for a while. Uh, we are reading through the Bible together as a church, and every single message we're pulling out uh, of the passage of the Scripture, whether Old Testament or new, from the previous week or the week to come. So if you're new or maybe haven't followed along, join in with us now. By the way, you've missed some pretty stale parts of the Old Testament. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, I don't know. But you've missed some numbers and some Deuteronomy and uh, we're getting into some Joshua here real soon, which gets real good. But uh, there's, a, there's a story of a woman who, depending on what theologian you're, you're reading, biblical historian, seems like she had a pretty messed up past. And yet in a moment of sacrifice in a gift to Jesus, the story of her life forever changes. 
at the feet of Jesus, her life story, her legacy gets entwined with him for forever. Her lineage story, her life story is transformed. In the same way, I don't know about you, but I want my life and my life story and my story of my marriage, the story of raising my kids, the story of us together as a church family to be close to the feet of Jesus and wherever he goes, I want our story to go as well. I want a, a legacy leaving kind of life. And that's what we see in this passage. I want to speak today about the scent of sacrifice. One woman's gift, not just giving a gift, but administrating the gift, blesses Jesus. It changed the environment of the room that she was in. And the story lived on after her for all time. We're going to be in Mark 14, and actually John 12, his corresponding story works together there. And I'm going to do my best. We're actually going to pull a little bit of Deuteronomy's reading from yesterday, if we can have time, because it all works together. Can you join me in prayer? We got room for prayer? No? Okay. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, time together with church family. We came here today. I know we came here to receive, but we also came to give. We gave you our praise. Only way that you do, when we show up to bring something to you, our praise, our worship, our faithfulness, our obedience, our generosity, do we then receive so much more back? So our hearts and our minds, our ears are in the posture of receiving. God, what do you want to say? Let this story challenge us. Let it encourage us that you have for us something that's bigger than us. Lord, I thank you for this church, all that you have done, all that you're wanting to do. In this service, Holy Spirit, have your way as our hearts are ready to hear and obey. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 We'll start in John's gospel, uh, and then we'll get to the part I really love in Mark's gospel. Same story, two different gospels. John chapter 12. Everyone with me? Four people are with me. Let those watching online, there's a lot more than four people here, but four people are obedient and love their pastor and want to encourage him when he's preaching. Six days before the Passover, now this was a yearly celebration, a yearly festival, but this was no Passover like years before. This is the Passover. This is six days before the Good Friday, six days before the cross. Jesus came to Bethany, which is kind of like a, a second hometown for him. This is where Lazarus now lived. Uh, just a little while ago, uh, he was dead, and Jesus brought him back to life. That's what it says. Jesus raised him from the dead. And there was a dinner that was given in honor of Jesus. Lazarus is there. His sisters are there. And they're honoring the fact that, man, my, our brother, our Lazarus, my life was, was, was dead in the grave, and now I'm alive again. It says the dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served, as we know Martha did, while Lazarus was among those just reclining at the table with Jesus, which I just like. He's just chilling. When he once was dead and he now isn't dead anymore, you just can chill at dinner every once in a while. That's his excuse. He's like, Martha's like, why isn't he served? He's like, hey, I was just dead. I'm not dead tired. I was dead, and now I'm alive. It says then Mary shows up, and Mary doesn't show up empty-handed. Mary shows up. It says with a, with a pint of pure, okay, it's nard, and that's a weird word. But this is an embalming fluid. This is an anointing oil. This is used as an expensive perfume. This is like a family heirloom. 
so much. We'll see in a moment. It is worth one year's wages. And she brings it and she pours it out. She doesn't give a little. She pours it out. In fact, we were led to believe that once you break this thing open, you use the whole thing. She broke open this treasure that she had in her possession and pours it at the feet of Jesus. She doesn't just hand it to him. She pours it out. And then she doesn't just pour it out. It says that she then wipes it up with her hair. The, the, the most intimate way she could administer this gift to the feet of Jesus. This girl, she is all in on honoring Jesus. And it says, and the house that they were in filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I mean, the aroma, the scent of her sacrifice transformed the environment of the dinner in honor of Jesus. But one of the disciples, who happened to be Judas Iscariot, who later on betrayed Jesus, he objected to the generosity. He objected to the sacrifice. And before we read what he says, let's just listen for a second. What he says actually kind of makes sense. His viewpoint actually seems a little bit valid. Like you could look at this crazy act of sacrifice and generosity. It's a one-time thing that she did. And on the surface level, I think there's a part of all of us that could kind of understand what Judas says. It seems profound even, but it's in the wrong heart. He says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money then given to the poor? Because it's a whole year's paycheck. It's a year's worth of wages. But verse 6, six says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor. Because he was a thief. Okay, it's bad enough to get burned, but when the Bible burns you, I mean, that is a savage level scripture right there. The Bible just roasted him. Because as the keeper of the money bag, in other words, he was there to facilitate the ministry of Jesus and Jesus' own finances in his ministry. He used to just help himself to what was put into it. So he critiques the gift, he critiques the giver, he critiques the generosity of this moment of sacrifice. He brings his own aroma into the room. And it is a perspective which on the surface level seems kind of valid, but the spirit behind it was that of one that was looking out for self, not willing to serve or pour out for others. Now let's go to Mark's gospel. This is the part I really love. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? This is so wonderful. He says, what she has done, done is something beautiful, not for me, to me. She is doing something that Jesus calls beautiful to Jesus. The poor, he says, you will always have with you. And you can help them at any time you want but as I've been telling you over and over again, in fact, a lot in the last few weeks, Jesus was telling them, but you don't seem to be hearing me, you will not always have me. I love this. This is a verse that should encourage and challenge every one of us. Verse eight, she did what she could. She did what she could. And in that moment, she could do something unbelievably sacrificial, crazy generous. And she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. 
I tell you the truth, and this is so profound. This is where I want you to be so inspired about the way that you serve and the way that you love the world around you and the way that you bring more invitation to salvation, the way that you share your faith, the way that we walk in hospitality towards people that aren't like us and maybe don't even like us, the way that we love, the way that we care, and the way that we give. Listen, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let the weight of that sit on you for a moment. Jesus is literally saying, everywhere I go and everything I do, every time the mission of Jesus, what is he talking about? Everywhere the gospel goes, the good news that has set us all free from sin and shame, everywhere that goes in all the world for all time, she's included. I mean, think about what he says there. Yes, she brings an extravagant gift, but to be included on the fact that everything in the future of the kingdom of God, her name is attached. What a legacy. Jesus says, when my story goes out, her story comes along as well. And that, my friends, is the scent of sacrifice. It changes the environment of the room, and it changes the legacy of your life. Depending on what theologian or uh, biblical historian you read, Mary, Mary might have had some issues in her life. There, there might have been some backstory. Uh, we know that she's friends with Jesus, and, and we know that uh, she's Lazarus' sister, but th there could be some, some, some interesting, shady secrets in her yesterday. But that's not her future. Because in a moment where she encounters Jesus who, in a moment of honor, she does something that so touches the heart of Jesus that she says, that is not something you've done for me, that is something you've done to me. You brought this gift of sacrifice and you broke it open and you didn't just pour it out, you just didn't hand it in a moment. You poured it out and you wiped it with your very own hair. You were intimately close to me, caring for me. And what I would just tell you is probably the most difficult week of Jesus' life. And, and, and she said, you did it for my burial. And everyone else was missing the picture about what Jesus was about ready to do on Good Friday's cross. She actually could hear something, whether it's just her heart was open to hear, or she just had a perspective of this is my savior. This is more than just a, a teacher, a friend, a rabbi. There's something significant here. And he's talking about his death. And so I've got this thing that could, that could anoint him, that could bless him. And I'm gonna break it open at his feet. And I'm gonna do it personally. And she does it with a heart not to receive anything back, and yet she gets a legacy-changing, life-altering moment because she did not withhold. She, she broke it out. The scent of sacrifice. Jesus says, this is beautiful to me. This is beautiful to me. Does Jesus need this? No. Jesus doesn't need this. Did it bless Jesus? Yes. Husbands, when your wife says she doesn't need a gift, she's lying. You will learn that once in your life, never to be tricked again. Because there's something about a gift, though, even when the people say, I don't really need it. There's something about a gift, especially an extravagant gift, that just says, man, you were on my heart, you were on my mind, I went out of my way to you. And this is a, seemingly, she didn't just run in the back room and bring it out. She was listening to what Jesus was saying the last few weeks. She was walking with Jesus. And she was in tune with what Jesus was about ready to go do. And she brings this gift that maybe it was a family heirloom. And I think what, what we learn about this is that once you break it open, ain't no going back. Once you, uh, the cork is out of the bottle, you can't, put, you can't pour out a little. You got to pour it all out. And, and, and she brings this, 
this crazy sacrificial gift and the legacy of her life changed and the aroma of the room forever changes. I would say this, the last three years, I know we're coming up three years from the lockdown and the only reason I know that date is because it's the date our sweet baby Goldie was born. She's about ready to be three years old. Um, and, and she was born first day at lockdown, which, you know, two weeks, they said. Um, <laughs> but there's been three years, and I think we've all felt it. It feels like 30, first off, for many of us. But it, it, it feels like there's been chaos. Things have been out of control. Infighting. I get, I get, we've been, there's been a lot of uh, anxiety and fear. And, and there's been a whole soiree of propaganda and people picking sides. And then from that, out of isolation, and how about the financial disruption that it has caused? It still permeates to this weekend. Like, everybody feels it at a different level in a different way. And so what I think has happened, uh, not just in the world, but I think even in the church, is that we have built these, like, little exoskeletons of self-protection. Why? Because this world's just gone crazy. And so we've been told to like, hey, watch yourself, look out for yourself, protect yourself, isolate yourself. And it's not been about a virus anymore. It's been the way that we've carried even our faith into public places. That we've been thinking about self, which the enemy loves. But the gospel mandates we aren't about self. In fact, of all people. We're not about self because we're recreated or reborn and becoming like Jesus. And Jesus left the comforts and the majesty of heaven selflessly to serve even the, the least of these. He broke out of the beauty of heaven to come to the brokenness of our world. And in our world that seems more broken than ever before, God is looking for a people. God is looking for a church that will break open some old things that we've held back and release the best of our loving, the best of our serving, and the best of our giving to the world around us. And it not only changes the environment of the room, but it changes, it changes your story. It changes your story. Why we need a change in the atmosphere, the scent of sacrifice is needed in Kansas City. We need more grace, we need more generosity, we need more hope, and we need more, more Jesus. I think as a church, we have an opportunity to bring a new scent to the city that smells like heaven. It smells like heaven. It's even why we're doing things like these 40 days and 40 ways that we're coming up on the last few weekends of. Like these little simple acts to break out of your old, to start thinking about other people, whether it's buying a coffee for someone, a little act of generosity, a texting someone that you're praying for them, calling someone to just ask how they're doing. We're just doing little things that will, I believe will make a big result where it matters the most. And for you, I don't know what it means for you to break out of the exoskeleton of self-protection so that kingdom promotion can happen in your life. I just tell you, on the other end of that decision, for you to break it open, whether it's in the way that you love or way that you forgive or the way that you give, when you break that open, I believe your life story forever changes. You remember in high school and, and even junior high, um, you were associated with a different group based on kind of like who you hung out with and what you wore. I don't know if it's the same anymore, but it's really easy to tell who was with who back when I was in school. Now, as an as a eighth grader, we moved halfway through my eighth grade year. Like the last three months of school, we moved from Southern California to Seattle. And it was the mid-90s, um, Seattle. 
Uh, I was coming from just being all about athlete, athletics and all about sports, and that was my crew. And I went to this small little Christian school up in Seattle, and like sports, no one cared. Everyone was like Nirvana, you know? It was Kurt Cobain, everything was grunge. And I remember walking in, and honestly, this is not my first school. My parents were missionaries and pastors. I've lived all over. I remember walking in and looking around and be like, I don't fit in here at all, which already is part of my life as a ginger. But anyways, and so I remember looking around. I was like, man, I just want to fit in. And so I started dressing like the other kids, which back then, mid-90s Seattle, meant like Jinko jeans. Don't even know. Some of you don't even know the tragedy of that decision. Still haunts me to this day. But I just wanted to fit in. Do you know what I love about this story? Is Mary, who has no real reason to ever fit in with Jesus, Jesus says, she's in my clique. Now, Judas, you've been walking with me for three years, but your heart is disconnecting you from being with me. But wherever I go, Mary rides with me. Wherever my ministry moves forward throughout all time, her story is attached to me. She's with me. And here we have two people in the room with Jesus, close to Jesus. One who walked with Jesus for three years and two different mindsets and two different outcomes and two different legacies. Judas, we know his story. Sad story. To be that close to Jesus in proximity but that far away from his heart. He'd been hearing more about his life, his death, his resurrection, his kingdom than ever Mary had a chance to hear. And yet his heart was hardened because he was selfish. He was a controller. He wanted things done his way. And he was a critic, he was a complainer, and he was a cynic. And I know as just people of this world, we have this thing called flesh that ultimately like we are born selfish. If you don't think you're born selfish, you don't have kids. Come on, my three-year-old, soon to be three-year-old, like, she knows what's good for her. It's candy and cartoons nonstop all the time. And there's no reasoning with her. And so we as parents, we have to decide, hey, this isn't the best for you. This isn't like, this isn't healthy for you to only have what you want. When you want, we're born selfish, but when we're born again, there's a little seed on the inside that is the spirit of the living God that's called to rise up and make you more like Jesus. So when we're born, we're born selfish, but when we're born again, we're born again generous. And for some of you, you've not allowed that part of you to be busted open in your life. And you're wondering why things don't always seem to work or just you're almost there or your faith gets a little lethargic. This could be the very place that God's wanting to break open. I'm not just talking about your giving. I am not talking about your checkbook, your debit card, or your bank account. I'm talking about your heart. Is there any area where I'm still closed off to being where Jesus wants her to be, at his feet, being doing something that is beautiful to him so that my life can get attached to his ministry and to his mission and to his great commission to change the world? Like, Judas has an aroma too. It is the stink of self. It's the smell of cynicism. It's the spirit, the heart, the voice of a critic. And I think the more we walk with Jesus, listen, I don't mean walk close with Jesus, I mean our believers. The longer we're Christians, the more that part tries to grow in us that we have an answer for how everyone else is supposed to do everything instead of just being responsible and responsive to what the Spirit of God is asking of us. And it seems like the Spirit moves in tune 
with her opportunity and her moment for Mary to do something that was bigger than her. And she obeyed it even in sacrifice. She broke it open and something broke off her life. She had a breakthrough for the rest of her story even after she's gone. The legacy of her life still lingers in the aroma of the scent of her sacrifice today because she did something that was beautiful for Jesus. Three years with Jesus, Judas was, but he could not connect with what's on Jesus' heart. In this one moment of sacrifice, her story lingers with him for the rest of time. Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. When you live in selfishness, your life will be empty. But with humility, here's a key word, humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourself, which was exactly the mindset of Jesus. Jesus, who no one is more important throughout all of time, considered us more important than himself. We all tracking with me? Do not merely, second key word, look. Look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Anyone feel like that's like a mega challenging verse? I don't know about you. I'm re- this is the third time I preached this today, and I'm still like, oh, where are areas where my mind ain't right? I'm still a me mentality. Can I tell the truth here? I, Pastor, I'm not perfect. Where am I still on the lookout for self? Where am I still on the lookout for significance? Oh, God, would you work in me? Oh, God, would you work in us? If there's any area where we need to break something open, in the way that we love, in the way that we serve, in the way that we give, God, would you break it off me? Because I want to be more like Jesus. And I believe I'm leading a church in honor of a lifetime that is not only has gotten this, but we're getting it more and more and more. In these days that we're in, that have been so self-protected and so isolated and so vicious towards one another. God is building a church in the middle of America that is not focused on me. It's not focused on self, but is wanting to live in the stretch and the sacrifice of generosity and get the stench of self out. Also, back in mid-90s, Seattle was the birth of Axe Body Spray. They told you you'd smell good, they said. The more you spray, the better you feel. So every eighth grader sprayed at every meal. Like, how many know that doesn't help? That's what, that, that's what the world will do to you. It says, hey, if you get this on yourself, if you focus on yourself, if you put the attention on yourself, you got to take care of yourself. We're taught that by all the self-help gurus too. You look out for you. And yeah, you do need to take a nap. And you can have a treat yourself day. And you can go to the spa. And you can get some sleep. And you can eat healthy. All those things are fine. But the spirit that drives the way that we live is not one of selfishness. Why? Because we're responding to the one who had everything and gave it up for our sake. And so if I got to break something out of his feet, the answer is yes, sir. Uh, You don't have to ask for it, Jesus. I want to do it ahead of time. Jesus did not ask for this gift. She gave it in response to what she felt in the moment was worthy of a dinner to honor him. She wanted to honor him at the highest level she could, so she went as low as she could. We, before we had kids, we had, we had, and we still have a dog. Uh, we have two now. We didn't learn a lesson the first time. We doubled down on it. And, and his name is Cub, and he's 12 and a half years old, and uh, I feel like he's getting up there in years. 
And um, I, I don't know how much longer he'll be with us. I act like I'm talking to him like he's online right now. <laughs> don't go bathroom now. Okay, wait till we get home. Um, and we didn't have kids, and so anyone who's ever had a dog first know that that's like, uh, that's your fur baby, right? Can I say that and still keep my man card? I don't know. Uh, and so we pampered and spoiled. But you would think like, you would think he only has to look out for himself by the way he just roams the house and the way he just, like, we, have, we, we never trained him. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We didn't even try, young or old. And so you could give him like a, a, a cornflake or you could give him a piece of filet mignon. He's gonna respond the same way. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's like he's never eaten before. It's like he, de- he will never eat again. It's like, do you not have a tongue? Can you not taste? Why are you, like, well, you have a bowl filled with kibble that has never run dry. Your cup runneth over. But he, he, he doesn't understand that, like, this isn't all there is. And I tell you, there's a little bit of that selfishness in all of us. That if we, if we don't take it right now, if we don't get it for ourselves, we'll never get it. But what we learn from Mary's story is that when we have the reverse mentality, because I mean, the kingdom is always upside down of the spirit of this world, when we don't just look out for self, but we look for the stretch and the sacrifice and the scent of heaven and the way that we love the world around us and the way that we honor God and the way we walk in generosity, it actually produces a life-transforming story. And she put this gift that she brought that was like in Jesus's difficult week, and she puts it at the feet of Jesus, on the feet of Jesus, wiping it with her very hair, intimately administrating the gift. In other words, this is not the e-gift card you sent someone at 11.15 p.m. of their birthday. This was something generationally sacrificial she did. And that's why for generations, her story has changed. And she's anointing Jesus for burial. In other words, where he is going next. And I want you to get this, listen. Our church is already generous. One of the highest budget items of our monthly budget is the food that we buy to take care of people who need it the most. Many of which don't come to our church just to bless people. Our missions giving over the last years, it it increases. In fact, just like last month, we fully funded as a church a guy's complete budget to go be a minister in Nepal where it's illegal. You did that. That's what we're doing as a church. So we're already doing this. But I don't know about you, there's something, and I believe I'm inviting more people that have been on the journey of serving, of inviting, and of giving into changing your legacy and your life story. Because I wanna be anointing Jesus for where he wants to walk next. And where we're at now is this church of generosity. But where we're going, it's gonna take more. We have a South building to build out. And I'm speaking to a church that has already given over a million dollars to where Jesus is going next. Come on, that's worth celebrating. That's significant. And, and there's more to do, and we're gonna do it. But we're not gonna do it when the focus is on self. We're gonna do it with every single person. And what I want you to understand is this is not what you're doing for church. Church is doing just fine without your generosity. This is ultimately what you're doing for your own life and your own legacy is that you're not withholding anything back from the one that's given you everything. 
Mary is a contributor and there's no stick, no cling, because once you open the bottle, you can't put it back in. And everywhere the gospel goes, so goes her, her story. There's four things I believe that we walk in when we walk with a generous spirit that breaks it open. When we change our smell to the scent of sacrifice, not the scent of self. The first one is we demonstrate obedience and God always blesses obedience. When we honor God and when we put him first in every area of our life, how many know he's not Lord over just your soul for eternity? He's gotta be Lord over all of your life. And when we honor him in that first place in every facet of our life, it opens up our life to unbelievable God blessing. Like, here's my personal take as, a, as a, a student of the word of God and as a pastor, that Liz and I, we're tithers. That is the beginning of our giving. In fact, I personally believe, listen, this, is my, this might rub some of you the wrong way, and I'm fully aware of that and excited about it. <laughs> you can't really be generous until you've been obedient. And if you gotta wrestle, that's you and God's wrestle. That's you and wrestle in the world. You wrestle with a mature believer on that. I, I, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it, but I just, let, let me tell you my own life. God goes first. It's already set up. I don't even have to think about it. I've automated it in my life because it's important to my life that I always put him first in every area of my life. And so he gets to be Lord over that. Malachi chapter three, you can read it for yourself. It's the one area we're told that we get to test God. And he says, if you do pass this test, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven over your life and you'll ha have room enough to contain the blessing I will pour out from heaven itself. It doesn't mean you give $10 and God gives you 100. It means that you put him first and watch and see that the blessings of heaven begin to flow in your life when you have a breakthrough in that area of obedience. And this is why I think it's so important. Second thing, we partner with God in ministry. Can you let the, let the weight of that hit your heart for a moment? I get to, Mary gets to partner with Jesus for the, the gospel. Everywhere it goes, she's there. We're partnering with God in his ministry on the earth. I, we talk about a lot here. We're, we're, we're a hundred-year-old church in the making. That we're already thinking about the, those in kingdom kids being better at building the kingdom than we are. But we get to go first. For 12 years, it's people that have gone first. And now it's our time for what we want God to do next. We want to anoint Jesus sacrificially for what he wants to step into next. How many know he wants to step into kingdom come? How many know he wants to step into radically transforming Kansas City, the Midwest, our nation, and the world? How many know the end goal of Jesus is every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess? And we're going to live our life in the spirit of sacrifice, in the scent of sacrifice, so that Jesus can do, go and do everything. What an honor it is to be in partnership with God in the expansion of his kingdom. Who are we that we get to do that? I love this, Psalms chapter 50. It's just a good reminder that God doesn't need it from us, but he wants it for us. Listen. God reminds us in, in Psalms 50, I am God. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's a good starting point. You're God. You're God. I'm God, he says. You're God. I have no need of your bull. No, that's not what it says. I have no need <laughs> of a bull from your stall. You like that joke, didn't you? The 9 a.m. wasn't ready for that one. Or the goats from your pens. For every animal 
He can even redeem your cat. Every animal in the forest is mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Every bird, me. The mountains they're in, those are mine too. The insects in the field, I'll take, those are mine. If I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you because you couldn't satisfy my hunger. I've got it covered, he says. The world is mine and all that is in it is mine. It's all his anyway. And so when we think it's ours, we're living deceived. What is ours to do is to steward. Jesus says, he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Jesus goes on to say here in Matthew 6, like, you can't serve both God and money. It's either gonna rule your life or you're gonna rule in life over it. And when we choose to live open-handed and listen, breaking through, the scent of our sacrifice outlives our life. And what do we do when we give and we honor God, knowing it's all his anyway? We put money in its right place here. How many know, maybe the last few years, maybe this last week, money's been up here a lot. I talk with a lot of people in our church, all over the world. People have a lot of, a lot of thoughts about up here. But when we honor God, we break it out, something changes in here. Our heart begins to change. We put money in its right place. Hebrews 13 says, keep your life free from the love of money. But get the spirit of content with what you do have, what God has given you. And says, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you're free from money, you're then free and open to receive my, 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 my taking care of you. Fourth and finally, this is why, honestly, I picked this message out of the passage this week, knowing I'd be speaking because it's spring break and it's, it's, it's spring forward. And I, I know it'd be core church family. And maybe there's a handful of guests or people getting plugged in. I love that. So glad that you're here. But I want to speak to the heartbeat of our church for a moment and tell you as a pastor, obedience and sacrifice are two of the most beautiful things that could ever be said about your life. Jesus says, what she did for me, it was beautiful to me. And I want your life to be beautiful to Jesus. And when we were beautiful to him, our lives become beautiful like his. You ever been around a generous person? I mean, they're the most fun people on the planet to be around. Somebody's generous in words, generous in encouragement, generous in time, generous in hospitality, generous in giving. I mean, who doesn't like it when they pick up the tab for your dinner? Dessert, yes, please. This is a better person to be around. I'm speaking to a generous church, but I'm also speaking to the generosity inside of some of your hearts. It's been locked up, and maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe you didn't come from very much. Maybe you've had to really fend for yourself. But that area where you learn to break it open at the feet of Jesus and administer to personally and intimately, because anybody can write a check, but it takes a real man or woman of God to pour their life out. And when we pour it out at the feet of Jesus, something breaks open in us and we're transformed. It changes, as I can tell you, story after story of the people that are sitting in the row that you're in right now, that when this begins to click, and it's normally the last place of spiritual obedience and maturity in most people's lives, when this thing broke out, this generosity spirit, this honoring of God, something changed in their life story. And I want your story to change. We get the scent of heaven on us. Because Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is. And I want to treasure what Jesus treasures. Jesus treasures people. Jesus treasures souls. 
Jesus treasures disciples. Jesus treasures generations. Jesus treasures lives forever being impacted. Whether we do that through the house of hope and gifts of generosity to hurting people, whether we do that by the expansion of the message of Jesus through the ministry of this church, whether we do it outside the walls, we bring invitation of being generous with our time and generous in our sacrifice and being willing to risk in relationship to bring people into God's house or to share the good news with them where they're at. Jesus is looking for people that are willing to break out of the exoskeleton of self and break open that spirit and get that scent of sacrifice because it is the smell of heaven and it's what you are meant to carry as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the same promise that Jesus makes to Mary is your promise as well. Everywhere Jesus goes next because what we do now in this season, in this time, will matter for all time. Everywhere the gospel goes out, you have a part to play when every one of us plays our part. You stand your feet, I wanna pray for you. Are we challenged today? Are we inspired? Oh, I hope this inspires you. Read back over it. A life, potentially, Mary, a broken life becomes a beautiful life because she's allowed to break something open at the feet of Jesus. Some of you have been running from this in your life. I'll tell you, just come to the feet of Jesus. You gotta wrestle about some of this stuff. Wrestle with him. He's kind. He's not soft, but he's gentle in spirit. And he'll show you, hey, I wanna remove some of these barriers in your life because they're burdens that you're not meant to carry and there's more breakthrough for you when you let me be first in this place. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you 12 years of sacrifice, of surrender, of serving people, of inviting, of salvations, of souls. I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you, God, that in the when these last especially few years, we've just the world's gone so crazy. That you help us get back to the heart, our heart towards you. No area is off limits. Especially when we get reminded what you've already done for us. There were no limits to your love. You even took it to the cross. Even before we said yes, you said yes. And so we're saying yes ahead of time. God, anything you ask of us, the answer, God, you get to go first. Jesus, you're first. Lord, I thank you that any selfishness out of insecurity or scarcity mindset, we break that open at Jesus' feet so where he goes next, we can go with. Lord, take us into beautiful places. Let this be beautiful to Jesus. Let this be a bridge a season of sacrifice that is a bridge to another generation moving farther, going faster, reaching more people than ever before. God, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for what you're about ready to do in our lives. Things you've never done before, we're going to see happen in the here and the now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can we stay in this moment of prayer? Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe even today's message, to be honest, is like, oh, he's not first in every area. If he's not first, everything's out of order. The beautiful thing about getting your life in order, it just starts with faith. A declaration of saying, Jesus, I trust you enough to put you first. I trust you enough to receive. That same message that went out, that Mary's story followed, it's the gospel, the good news. It's already finished on our behalf could say yes to that and receive the gift of salvation. Some of you never received that gift, or some of you there's been some other things that have been polluting your life and you need to get back to him first. So we're going to pray this prayer together as one big church family. For those people that need to pray this prayer for the first time or to come back home to him right now. If that's you with no one looking around, I'm not going to make you come up front. 
but we're going to pray together as a family of faith. But if that is you, and you just surrender your life for the first time, receive the gift of salvation, or come back home to him, can you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. I see your hands up in the back already, sir. Two, three, four, five, six. That's awesome. Anybody else says, I need a fresh start with Jesus. I see you, ma'am. I'm proud of you. I see you back in the very back. That's awesome. I see you there. Yes, two of you. That's awesome. Stay in this moment. This is this is an aroma of heaven moment. Just breathe in the fact that he breathed out his final breath. Before he raised from the dead, his final breath, he says, it's finished. What was finished? Your sin and shame. What was finished? The barrier between heaven and earth. The disconnection from a God that loves you. It's finished now. In other words, it's completed. You can receive it. 10 plus hands, maybe that's you online, maybe that's you at Lansing. Let's all pray together as one family. We can lift our head and open our eyes. You ready to pray? All together, say this with me. Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. The sin of this world, my own mistakes, had me separated from you. But you sent a Savior, my Savior, Jesus, your Son. He paid for my sin on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, but he rose from the grave, giving me victory in life. I am forgiven. I am set free. My life's been bought at the highest price. That's because I'm valuable to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. From this moment on, my life is yours. Nothing's off limits. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate everybody that prayed that prayer? Come on, that was a lot of people who said yes to Jesus. What a beautiful moment.